The following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane, drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz was only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are listening to Hive Talk Live on atthehive.com. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan, and we are live in the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson. And I'm David Walker over here. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live and visit us online at hivetalklive.com. Doug, Doug, real quick. Yes. Whether you let me in or not, I'm going to dance. That's all I want to say. All right. That's, That's good. That's it. I like Can't that. stop my dancing. No, and why should we is a great question that everyone seems to be asking right now. Hey, you can listen to us live every Tuesday at 6 o'clock p.m. at HiveTalkLive.com. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher to listen to Hornets Talk anytime, anywhere. Uh, David, we're used to, I think, our intro music and our loop now, but we introduced some new outro music. Keeping and, it fresh. Just got to keep it fresh. Well, you know, it, so the the outro music that we were using was from a local band, and I just kind of wanted to switch it up a little bit, so we introduced uh, this little ditty. Yeah. And it's just kind of like a little groove. In the yeah. streets. A little horn action. Anyway, so it kind of reminds me of NBA Street. Did you ever play that video game? Sure, sure. That was a, That was a fun one. So I, anyway, we got some, not really a lot of negative reaction to it, but, <laughs> but a few folks, I think were just, they were shocked that we had changed it up a little bit, but, but I like it. And the, the brilliant part, David, of doing a podcast essentially for free is that we, yeah. we, we get to, we're the DJs, we get to pick the music. Is there, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's more than essentially. I think, right? <laughs> it pretty much is a certainty <laughs> that we will pick it. Hey, I like it. I think that was a good choice. Thank you. I don't, yeah. I kind of surprised no you. With, I, I kind of surprised no. you with it. So it could have gone either way. Yeah, I had no idea that you made a change anyway. So, hey, make sure to let us know what you think of it on Twitter at Hive Talk Live and, and all of the things that we're going to talk about. This is a very discussion friendly show. So make sure to hit us up on Twitter at Hive Talk Live. Uh, coming up on the show, Michael Kasky Blomain. He's a favorite of this show. He was on several times last season, writer for QueenCityHoops.com. He'll join us at 620 to preview what's coming up for the Hornets this week. Plus, you've heard it uh, on At The High First. It appears the Hornets have narrowed down their D-League name choices to three, David. Buzz, Swarm, or Attack. Hmm. Which camp are you in? Again, tweet us at HiveTalkLive. And we've got our weekly NBA picks, uh, some games for you guys to watch this week. We call it Nick's Picks because Nick Denning told us we had to call it that if we wanted him on the show. So that will be at 640. But first, the Hornets held on against the Portland Trail Blazers, winning 106-94 on Sunday. The Hornets were up by as many as 29 points, but an aggressive second half from Damian Lillard and rising star C.J. McCollum got the Blazers to within six late in the fourth quarter. Luckily for the Hornets and Hornets fans, Al Jefferson and Nick Batum, they they showed up to play. They put the shorts on, combined 62 points, helped keep the Hornets in the win column. David, this win was impressive for a variety of reasons, but probably none more 
than Nick Batum's 33 six and five gosh so good to see him playing that way uh you know he's playing with a heavy heart obviously uh over the past couple of days thinking about uh the goings-on in paris mm-hmm. and, and his family members over there it was it was crazy to see that you know he was keeping up with that obviously right before and during the, the bulls game uh friday night uh his sister you know lived nearby in there and 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 so he was obviously tuned into that and, and like i said just playing with a lot on his mind but the you know to see him in that game and then in the, in the Blazers game I think we had wanted to see that type of performance out of him when he came over be the number one guy be that guy I mean aggressiveness and looking to score and looking to do I mean looking to do damage something that we haven't seen from him you know the start of the season but offensively it, it's it's it, it's it takes this team takes him to another level but it just it shows how dangerous this team can be when he's playing like that a guy his size can also create it's fun to watch yeah and he's playing at an all-star caliber level and we said David before this year got started that with the injury to MKG it was going to take a few guys making the leap so we've seen Jeremy Lamb make a leap now we're seeing Nick Batum make another leap and it was enough to get him the Eastern Conference Player of the Week honors he scored uh, 24 29 and then 33 in respective nights and and Clifford is essentially given the keys to the car yeah. to Nick Batum at yeah. this point and, and what I liked about the Portland game was that he didn't have to create for himself until the third quarter when he got a little separation on a three-point shot but before that it was all it was two things mainly Th- this handoff that they've got going on Marvin hit him with one and I Mm -hmm. believe Al Jefferson hit him with another handoff block you know essentially form a wall or as Van Gundy Gundy would say (laughs) form (laughs) form an effing wall and Nick Batum would rise over the top but there was also this little elbow pin down that they set up for him two or three times and he curls off of it And, and what you love about Batum and really watch for this tonight against the Knicks is how quickly he's able to stop and start his motion. Oh, yeah. He's able to just, especially from the lane, he's able to curl around very quickly before the before the defender can react and then rise up and fire. So quick, and it helps that, that he's got those long arms and can get that ball way up in the air. But, yeah, I mean, Batum... And so he, much to be impressed And he by. can do that beyond the arc, too. I mean, those are some of the shots that oh, yeah. I, I didn't see him making on a consistent basis to start the year. And he he can, on a curl at the top of the key, from three-point distance, uh, come off a screen and, and with not much room, like you said, rise up and hit that shot with consistency. Five of ten from three against Portland, 11 of 19 overall. Six of seven at the line, so he's getting to – I mean, he's doing it everywhere. Uh, 33 points to total in that game and just a dominating performance coming off one, you know, from coming off the Chicago game, which was good enough to put the Hornets in position to win that one too. And we're just not used to seeing that kind of performance where it was less about hot shooting and more about a guy just saying, this is my night. Yeah. This is, I'm going to impose my will as an offensive player on this defense, doing it a variety of different ways. It reminded me and I know that uh, Clifford, I think, compared him to T-Mac and to one other guy mm. that he's coached before. But it, he looked Carmelo Anthony-like. He he didn't have like the, the Carmelo go-to moves, but just the way that he was 
moving off ball and, and looking to score. Wanting to score. Wanting to yeah. score, the desire. Yeah, I'm not and, comparing the two play styles. Just the desire to score reminded me of, of what we had seen out of Carmelo in the second half against yeah. the Knicks. And, and because he can create so well and because he can handle the ball himself, you do sometimes forget that he is a, a, obviously a very capable scorer. And, you know, when he's with Portland, fourth option maybe – a lot of the times on the mm-hmm. floor with guys like Lillard, Aldridge, and uh, and Wesley Matthews even. Um, but he would have those nights. I mean, he would have those career nights with them, score 27, 28 points, be the guy that would that would get the call for a game-winning shot. So you knew that was there and that potential was there. To see it in a situation like this, you know, it's funny. Kemba and Al obviously have been struggling a little bit overall to get into the flow with the new additions. The new additions – are, 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 you know, getting a lot more comfortable quicker uh, than those guys are, guys like Lynn and Lamb, obviously. And surprising play. I think we thought Batum would give you about, you know, what do we say, you know, anywhere between 14, 17, 18 points a night, mm-hmm. something like that, which is which is average now, but you're seeing these bursts. You'd like that. Yeah. But yeah. but then he if he adds this element uh, on a week-to-week, I mean, you're not going – you're probably not going to see – you know, three 20 point games a week. But if you get those bursts on nights that Kimba is struggling or nights that, you know, maybe Lamb struggles, this, it could be big for the Hornets. And it's fun for Hornets fans to watch. But I I think if you're Nick Batum as well. So when you were with the Blazers, you were used to creating for other all-stars. And I think it's got to be fun for Nick Batum as he looks to what team he wants to be a part of next season it's got to be fun to play for a coach who says, "No, no, no, Nick, we'll create for you. Yeah, we'll get the we'll we'll set up plays where you can come off pin downs and and you can get to places on the court that you want to go." And Jefferson and Marvin and Kemba and all of these guys are going to buy into it. Yeah, that's a great selling point. Look, and Clifford, thirty-eight minutes, almost thirty-nine minutes right. in that game for good reason. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> he was having a lot of success. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he has. 100% got the greenest light of any Hornet out there. There's Actually, uh, there's not many red or yellow lights at this point for, for the Hornets, which is why— Bombs away. It, yeah, it's such a fun team to watch this year, or so much more fun than in years past. And to get back to 500, um, you know, we can touch on the Bulls game a little bit, but that was a chance for them to, to get over that mark. Still a good game. Um, it just didn't go their way. They were in that game the whole way, too. So— that's what I was looking for them out of this Portland game. That's a game they should have won. A Portland game at home on a Sunday, uh, playing you know in your backyard. That they should beat the Portland Trailblazers in that game, and they did. Um, runs are going to happen in the NBA, so you knew that was coming a little bit. But it was good because you mentioned you were at the game, Doug. Was there a lapse? You know, was there? You get up, you score seventy points in the first half, and everybody's got a tendency to say, "Well, we can just cruise." I think it was part laps part you had a big lead but they're the, gonna score too i mean portland's, look, portland's score. a great portland has two great guards in damian lillard and cj mccollum yeah so they came out of that half with an offensive intensity that the defense was not going to be able to fully match but then and this is going to be sort of a storyline as we go throughout the year without mkg the offense has to play defense in a sense like you've got to match a team's offensive intensity with with the Hornets' own offensive intensity. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's yeah. not you're not going to be able to, especially against again good Western Conference All Star caliber players. You're not necessarily going to be able to match up with them offensively. 
I think that goes again to the Knicks tonight against Carmelo. You you do your best to slow him down, but you've got to execute offensively. You've got to get to the basket, and the Hornets stopped doing that, and that's where the the Portland Trail Blazers were able to get back into this. But another guy we have to mention, and, and we did a whole big breakdown on our YouTube channel on it, is Al Jefferson. 29 points. Don't call it a comeback. 13 for 17. It matched that, you know, Dallas Dallas. Mavericks performance. And this was impressive, to me, more impressive of of a performance than the Dallas performance because in in the matchup with Dallas, Al Jefferson had a good matchup with Zaza Pachulia Mm -hmm. physically. But I think in this one, he was able to use the adjustments that Clifford made and the schemes that Clifford set up to get Al Jefferson better looks, he was able to use those to score as opposed to just, you know, imposing his physical will on a player. Yeah. Now, what does that say to you? Because there was, that was a goal. I mean, that was a defined goal of this game. Mm -hmm. Don't you think? Let's get Al going. Let's get Al going. Let's get him involved. I mean, you know, there's a lot of talk after that Chicago game. Is this the end of the road for Al as a Hornet? Are they moving away from all this? I mean, some of that could still be true, but I think Clifford still realizes that Al can give you 30 points, you know, on any given night. Matchups, when the matchups are right, but I don't think they're going to forget about him just yet. No, and again, it's it's about – it's less about what Al does when he gets the ball and more about what this team does – before Al ever touches the ball in terms of, you know, setting up decoys, pulling away yeah. double teams. And again, if you want to check out a deeper dive into this and get some visuals, check out our YouTube channel. Just search for us there uh, at Hive Talk Live. Okay, we've got some uh, news here. Was that PJ ruled out? Ruled uh, out for tonight. Could miss several more games. Ooh, so Okay, well, that, sure. so uh, that's going to be an adjustment possibly see some Troy Daniels in for the Hornets. Again, we're we're just sort of responding to this. We knew we kind of knew PJ was going to be out, but that little added layer there that he could miss several more games. Again, he had a, a, a contusion on his quad that took him out of this Portland game. Mm. He only played nine minutes before having to leave. And, and PJ, as we, we suddenly shift gears here, we can talk about PJ and his ability to give you that man-on-man defender and we saw it against the Knicks in Charlotte how he was able to really limit what Carmelo could do in the first half in the second half he got into a little bit more of a rhythm but I think it's asking a lot to shut down Carmelo Anthony for an entire game yeah I mean look what he did to MKG a couple uh was it last season two seasons ago so so you're either going to see I think you're either going to see Troy or Brian Roberts get more minutes, or, you know, and I think a lot hinges on how this lineup that they're going to feature tonight against the Knicks, uh, with Marvin moving to the three and Cody moving to the four, how that works. Uh, I think a lot will depend on that, whether you see Troy, Brian, Mm -hmm. or you see Frank. I'm sorry, who? Well, yeah, exactly. So Frank got zero minutes against Portland. That's I, okay. I mean, Are you upset by that? I don't get it. I just don't get it. Um, Seventy points in the first half, and you can't find a five minute stretch for for Frank. I mean, I, I've not criticized Clifford, and we not that we're criticizing right now. It's just curious, and it's hard to argue against that thought that he doesn't like playing rookies when the get that game was out of hand. You knew a run was coming, but. To not be able to find room for your draft pick that is NBA ready to play today, 
in a game that's various levels of, of being out of hand throughout the night is just kind of baffling to me. He has 29 points this season total. That's the least of the top 10 picks. I think it's it's interesting. I, I think, again, Clifford is adamant, and we'll have to sort of hold his feet to the fire on this, that he's adamant that Frank is going to get more run in the second half of the season when he, if he becomes NBA-ready on defense. Mm-hmm. I don't think the concern is offense. I think the concern at this point with Frank Kaminsky is can he hold his own against you know, bigger, stronger, faster competition in the NBA on defense. Yeah. And I mean, he's, I, got, he's got a lot more roadblocks in front of him, as just as far as the depth chart, obviously. I'm going to put a big what if in front of you, David. I think that if MKG doesn't get hurt, Frank is featured a lot more in this offense because MKG getting hurt, in my mind, has really elevated the role of Cody Zeller and his defense mm. on that second unit. And the need for that. So, you know, MKG would bleed like Batum is now. MKG would often bleed into the second unit to give them some reinforcements on defense. Yeah. And we've really seen that role shift to Cody Zeller. And it almost, again, makes it impossible to get Frank in in certain situations because, and we'll see it tonight against the Knicks. I mean, Cody Zeller having to guard, you know, Porzingis. Yeah. And, and just different matchup situations like that when you have Frank who isn't you know, physically ready to play NBA level defense. Yeah. I mean, he's going to get his chance, whether it's injury or, or just getting ready. That's just one of those times where you look at it and you're like, no minutes in, in a game that's a blowout at home. You know, uh, I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not questioning Clifford. They know the team a lot better than we do, but how do you argue that? How do you argue that if you're the fans looking at that? Here's our draft pick and he's not playing one minute in a game that's essentially a blowout. I, again, yeah. I mean, I, I I understand, and I understand fans' concern, and I'm a little concerned as well. But we just have to see if yeah. if Frank gets that adjustment. And again, I think that it's situational at this point, less than than Frank being a you know disappointment in any straight. And we've seen, look, we've seen guys. It ta- it's going to take two or three years for this guy to really show anything anyway. I mean, yeah. it always takes, you know. It's like, okay, so he gets in the Chicago game. <laughs> right. It's, it's, so, it's, so, so you never know, and, and that is another thing that, that Clifford harps on and likes to have people know when they're going in and what kind of minutes they're getting. Um, you know, hit a three against the Bulls. I, I'll say this for Frank. I don't, you know, I don't see any hesitancy on his part, certainly not on the offensive end, on the perimeter. Um is there areas for him to work on? Of course, yeah. So I think a lot of those were known, and I'm, I'm sure the defensive side of it is is the biggest is the biggest thing that's hindering him playing more right now. Yeah, and, and I think too Spencer Hawes and his playmaking ability. I mean, he had four assists against the Blazers, had zero points, but I don't think that I think at this point you talk about Spencer Hawes's role on this team. It's not to score. It's not really even to shoot threes. It's to be a three point threat. Yeah. And, and make plays. And and sure, will he do some silly things? And I think it's sort of you're weighing you know your risk versus your reward. He does he's just play, he does enough good stuff. He's a playmaker. Yeah. I mean, he makes really good plays. And I'll say this too, as we wrap this up, we're waiting on um, uh, MKB Michael Kasky Blomain to join <laughs> us here at six twenty. But 
what I really like about this Portland game and the way it ended, because I think a lot of fans would look at this or maybe look at the box score and they didn't watch the game, or maybe they did watch the game, and they look at this and go, ugh, the Hornets, blowing a lead. <laughs> you know, and I think that's, it's fair, but at the same time it's unfair because the NBA is, it's the best of the best, and, and guys are going to make runs in the second half, adjustments are going to be made. And it doesn't matter whether you're up 30 or 3, teams are going to make runs, and it's how you respond to those. And I think the Hornets did a great job of responding with late-game execution on offense, which, by the way, we haven't seen a lot of. I mean, We've seen some close games be lost early in the season because they couldn't execute on offense Oh God. Yeah. against yeah. Atlanta twice and against Miami. In this game, they got punched. They had and enough they of a cushion. Back. They had enough of a cushion too. That was a good thing, obviously. But yeah, well, they got it down to six, and and there was no guarantee. It, oh. it all the momentum was with Portland, yeah. and Nick Batum and Jefferson and Jeremy Lin with that Lin. great behind Lin. the back pass yeah. to to Al Jefferson for the bucket. I mean, those were crucial plays to keep the Hornets moving in the right direction. I'd rather see them win like that then show a little something right yeah. then because if they win by 30 it's just like when we came in after the chicago game that they won by 30 you go well they had a hot shooting night if you're How chicago is that? if you're chicago is if you're a chicago fan you're saying well they just got hot you know and you and you're so mad at brian roberts too right if you're, you're jimmy so butler you're just like mad at brian roberts don't shoot brian stop shooting um, um one thing on that though you mentioned two guys lynn and lamb or Lynn and Batum. Yeah. You know, last year when we would see that, who's who's the only guy that can handle the ball and create things and do anything? Kimba Walker. It's Kimba. And so now having those two guys, this is something we've we've harped on a lot, but you see the difference it, it can make. I mean, when you have guys on the floor that can make decisions, create for other guys, that behind-the-back pass to Al is a perfect example. Um, it, it's such a different aspect for this team to have this year. And and it's you know it's good to see because that easily could have gone the other six points that that game was right there. For more on this game and all your news and analysis on the Charlotte Hornets, head over to atthehive.com. Here on the Hive Talk Live Hotline, waiting patiently is our good friend Michael Caskey Blow Maine. He's a writer for QueenCityHoops.com. Michael, how are you? Hey, fellas, I'm good. How are you? Uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, we were welcome back. Uh, we had you on a few times last season. Always love your commentary. And you you uh, also write and blog about the Philadelphia 76ers. The Hornets have the Sixers coming up uh, later this week. So we wanted to get you on here to get a little bit of that take and a little bit of your Hornets take. What have you seen? We haven't talked to you since last season. So just give us your thoughts on the team. We're 10 games in. I feel like coaches in the NBA, they like to look at these things sort of 10 games at a time, like NFL coaches like to look at things three or four games at a time. What what do you think 10 games into the Hornets season? Uh, I think there's there's a lot to feel good about uh, 10 games in, especially after, uh, you know, the, the rough start, the 0-3 start where the team, I was, uh, you know, there was obviously a little bit of concern uh, how some of the new pieces were fitting in and how Clifford was handling the rotations. But, uh, you know, since then, I think a lot. There's been a lot of positives, especially with the offense. Uh, you know, I think they did a really, a really good job of addressing, um, you know, some of their issues from last season, mainly with, uh, you know, adding some shooters and some guys that could kind of score and create on the offensive end. 
uh, you know, compared to an offense that was, you know, at times stagnant and relied too heavily on um, either Kemba or Al to create. Um, you know, I think now you're seeing, obviously, uh, you know, Nick Batum has proved to be a great addition so far. Um, he's really, obviously, you know, is a, a getting an opportunity to be an option in an offense where he he didn't really have, you know, that opportunity as much in Portland. He was kind of a third or fourth fiddle there. Now, uh, you know, he's obviously has a more prominent role in Charlotte, and I think he's really, you know, doing his best to capitalize on it. And, uh, you know, overall, I think, especially in the East as it is right now, there's a, you know, a couple teams that have really established themselves at the top that we, uh, you know, we kind of expected to be there in uh, the Cavs and the, uh, you know, the Hawks and the Bulls. But then other than that, there's, uh, you know, the middle, the middle class of the Eastern Conference, I think, is wide open. And, uh, you know, the Hornets are trending up right now. And I really like, uh, you know, some of the returns we're seeing on, on some of the new additions. I like that. A lot of teams right now at or near 500 in the East. It's much more competitive, at least early on this season. There's only two teams in the East not flirting with 500, and they happen to be the next two Hornets opponents after tonight, the Nets and the Sixers. Uh, obviously, you cover the Sixers. I'm sure you know enough about the Nets this season. Which of these teams do you think could possibly trip up the Hornets if either of these teams could could pull that off? Both these games uh, at Time Warner Cable Arena. Uh, not to be biased, out of the two, I would give the Sixers a little bit more of an edge just, uh, you know, for the desperation factor. Uh, you know, things in Philly now, obviously, I'm, I'm sure you guys are aware, uh, you know, the team, they they haven't been performing well, which was expected, but I think they've actually, you know, maybe performed slightly worse than expected. The the uh, numbers are down across the board from last year. They, uh, you know, they've kind of lost some of their defensive identity that they were sort of establishing last year. And there's just not a whole lot of momentum uh you know they they played really well in the toward the second half on Monday against Dallas and uh you know they were within two in the fourth quarter there but the issue ends up being a lot of the time they just don't have the depth and the talent to um you know sustain an effort against some of the the teams in the in the league they have uh you know a lot of young guys that that are active and eager to kind of keep them close throughout the game and then it, it kind of trickles down at the end. Uh, the only thing they really have going for them as far as the matchup with the Hornets would be, you know, uh, Okafor, it's funny because a guy that he was, you know, been compared to a lot is Al Jefferson. He's kind of sort of just a, a younger version of Big Al in some ways, the way he's playing. Maybe, you know, a piece, Okafor is probably a little bit more adept at handling the ball and playing around the perimeter. But, uh, you know, him and Noel are uh, developing into a nice front court combination for the Sixers there. And uh, Robert Covington are uh, the Sixers starting small forward and just recently returned from injuries. So, you know, with with all three of those guys healthy and ready to go, that provides, uh, you know, a little bit difficult of a matchup for the Hornets there. And then when you throw in the fact that this team is just, you know, out there scrapping, really trying to play hard every night, uh, you know, you just uh, all, all the teams they play kind of just really have to be on their toes. So, you know, obviously the Hornets will be the favorite going into the matchup, as is pretty much every team playing the Sixers. And, you know, they theoretically, theoretically they should win, but you know, they if if they happen to be off their game that night and some of the shots aren't falling, you know, there's always a chance that the Sixers will, you know, try their best at least to seize momentum and take their first win home. I think Vegas is giving the Washington Generals one point over <laughs> over the Sixers. Um, <laughs> Seriously, I kid. Uh, yeah, the Sixers. Uh, 0-11 now. They went 0-17 uh, to start the year last season. The Hornets got the Sixers last season after they had already won two games. 
I will secretly, David, I'll admit this, and, and Mike too, I'll secretly be cheering for the Sixers against the Pacers. Uh, that I believe they play the Pacers tonight because I don't want that. Yeah. I don't look, and Nobody I think the players that. would agree. Like they don't want to play because or they don't want to play that game because then again you have that in the back of your mind and it gets in the way of your normal you know thought process and maybe you play a little bit differently whether you play a little safer or play a little bit more aggressive. Either way. You know, I, I think it takes you into a different kind of mindset because you don't want to be the team that's featured on Sports Center. The longer it goes, the more that builds up, too. Right. So, right. And there's nothing to lose, or there's nothing to gain for the Hornets in a, in a game with the Sixers. You know, you're they're expected to win, so if they win, it's you know you beat the Sixers. You're supposed to, and then like you said, if they lose, then they're the team that lost to the Sixers. So there's really there's nothing to gain there for the Hornets. Yeah, tell me this about the state of of that basketball team. I mean, you, you mentioned they play hard every night, which he's is he's asking, "Do you trust the process?" <laughs> I think that's what yeah, he's getting. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is the process still being sold the same way it was and are fans still buying that? Yeah, it's it's definitely still being sold the same way it was. Uh you know, I'm starting to sense a little bit of frustration uh from the fan base at this point, uh, although I do think the the patience window will extend till you know next summer and the beginning of next season, just solely based off, you know, a lot of, you know, what the process has been based on has been acquiring, you know, assets and clearing cap space. And, uh, you know, some of that is expected to materialize next summer. Um, you know, they'll have their own pick, which is obviously not going to be very good. Uh, they have potentially will have the Lakers pick, which is only top three protected. Uh, and then they'll have two other first round picks coming over from the heat and the thunder. So, uh, you know, they'll have, they'll have four first round picks and what, what's projected to be a pretty, de- pretty, pretty decent draft. Um, you know, a bunch of cap space, and especially with the new TV money coming in. And then, you know, two of the, two of the biggest question marks so far in the, in the process have been the two lottery picks from the 2014 draft. Uh, you know, obviously Joel Embiid and lesser known, uh, Dario Saric, they're both, you know, projected to be joining the team next summer, uh, obviously with Embiid, you know, is completely health dependent and recovery dependent, but you know, the, the hope and the projection is that he'll be finally ready to join the team next summer at some point, or, you know, before the season starts. And, uh, you know, Dario Saric is, uh, has expressed his desire to, um, you know, come over and join the team next year. So I think a lot of people are kind of pointing it at next summer and next season as the time to really start expecting to see some progress, uh, you know, but there's definitely a little, I think the biggest, you know, chink in the armor of the process so far is just kind of the lack of, you know, uh, guys accumulation of, talent before your eyes you know you every night we have we have uh Nerland's Noel who's you know I, I don't know how much people get to watch the Sixers but he's he's really fun to watch he's super energetic a uh, great defensive player and you know he's developed some other aspects to his game so there's him and there's obviously uh you know a recent lottery pick Jalil Okafor who uh you know who's shown some signs of being a great offensive option going forward but you know outside of those two you would think that, you know, in the third season, uh, you know, I think that I think the coach Brett Brown probably feels the same way. You would think at this point there'd, there'd be, you know, at least slightly more to, you know, tangible results of the process to look look for on the court, uh, you know, and with a team like Minnesota, who's kind of undergone a similar process, but it seems to kind of turn it around quicker. When you're looking at that, you see, okay, oh, they have Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, Zach Levine, 
you know, Shabazz Muhammad, a bunch of guys. And with, with the Sixers, you just don't have that yet. And, uh, you know, I think the, the hope, obviously, amongst the, the believers and the fans of the Sixers is that it's going to come. But, you know, eventually the cutoff is going to have to come where there's going to have to be, you know, the talent on the court. And I think next summer and, you know, next season is when, you know, uh, that will be expected to happen. Mm-hmm. Here with Michael Caskey Blumain, he covers the Hornets for uh, QueenCityHoops.com, also blogs about the Philadelphia 76ers. You are in a unique position, Mike, because you write about two teams who are taking two drastically different uh, strategies on team building in the NBA, the Hornets, who are doing everything they can to make the playoffs, whether that be an eighth seed uh, or, or not. And then you have Philadelphia, who on the other extreme, who are, whether they want to admit it or not, are trying to lose or not win as much uh, to go out there and get that trans, you know, transcendent player. Uh, which which uh, theory do you subscribe to? I mean, do, which one as a basketball fan, as someone who enjoys watching the game, and also as someone who writes about this and studies the game? That's actually a great question and a great a great point, and I really think it's a matter of circumstance. Uh, you know, for being a, I've been a Sixers fan my whole life. You know, even before I started covering the team, and I, and with that that organization, you know, really since uh, basically the departure of Iverson, and even a little bit before that, uh, you know, they they made the finals in 2001, and uh, you know, a couple more playoff appearances after that, and then it was just. Uh, you know, so so many consecutive seasons of a team that, like like how you alluded to, they were fighting to make the playoffs and they were either missing or getting in at an eight seed and you know losing in the first round and it was just a consistent cycle of mediocrity for a decade plus. Uh, you know, and then I think the the whole debacle when the team tried to acquire Andrew Bynum and he never ended up playing a game. They were just in such a unique position to really just hit, hit the reset button that at that point, I think, you know, I think that's why they were able to sell so many fans on, on the idea of, you know, how they've undergone the process. The Hornets, I, I think it's slightly different. They're, they're a team that made the playoffs a couple of years ago and they have P they already had pieces in place. You know, I, I don't think there was anyone in Philadelphia. I mean, some will point to Andre, Andre Iguodala, who the team traded, but, uh, you know, he uh, he's thrived in a, you know, a, a role with the Warriors, not as kind of a focal point. And the way the team was built with the Sixers, there was just no, you know, no guy to really build around since Iverson left. It was kind of a lot of good players, but just that weren't fitting together. So I think they just felt that it was time to kind of explode and build from the bottom up. You know, with the Hornets, they already had a guy like Kemba Walker. They had a guy like Al Jefferson, who obviously, you know, was getting older, but it could still really produce and they had some pieces in place that I think they could build they thought they could build around and especially at the time with you know with the east being pretty open you have to you know you, you can't uh, you know you have to kind of credit the Hornets for going after it. you can't fault them for not doing what the Sixers are doing uh, you know just viewing wise it's it's absolutely you know it's tough to watch the Sixers on some nights I can't you know I can't sugarcoat it I do I enjoy watching the development of some of the younger guys and you know I like watching them you know their effort and seeing what they might project to mm-hmm. down the road but some games it's just not enjoyable and I would much rather watch you know a Hornets team full of guys that are experienced veterans fighting to make a playoff spot from that perspective yeah uh, well, you know I, 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 
Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, I think that there are some Hornets fans who would rather see this thing blown up than try to compete for a playoff spot. And I think that those fans would be wise to talk to some 76ers fans and and see or some Bobcats fans or some Bobcats fans. <laughs> I mean, it's not yeah. that long ago or, or yeah exactly and see the experience and, and not only that but I think Mike you make a great point with the T-Wolves because I think the T-Wolves are trying to find a little bit of a middle ground where you go out and you get the transcendent player but if you don't have anyone to put him around and I think Carl Anthony Towns is benefiting from being around you know Andrew Wiggins and Kevin Garnett and and uh, Kevin Martin, you know, veterans who can play basketball, Andre at, Miller, or, or have played basketball at an elite level. You know, you benefit yeah, from being around that. They seem to have found a like a really great mix of in between of being able to get a lot of playing time experience for their younger guys, while also you know incorporating veterans of you know like Kevin Garnett, you know uh, Kevin Martin, Andre Miller, guys like you mentioned, and a guy like Ricky Rubio who's you know, borderline veteran at this point, he's been around for a while, you know, having those guys playing, but still getting to play the two past number one picks in Wiggins and Towns 30 plus minutes a night and really let them get the experience and develop. Uh, you know, I think they found a nice balance there and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's already starting to show the season there. Uh, you know, I don't think anyone's expecting them to really contend for a playoff team to, or a playoff spot down the road, but you know, there's signs for the future are definitely there. Great stuff, Mike. Always enjoy talking to you. Where can the, the good folks out there follow you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the real Mike KB. Uh, contribute to a lot of various sites and post all the stuff right there. So, uh, yeah, it's at the real Mike KB on Twitter, and I uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. Always good to talk to, always good to, talk to you, Mike. Thanks. So he brings up, again, I, I think a great point. There's nothing wrong with – winning and I mean it feels like weird to say but honestly I think that this this situation in Philadelphia is is coming to a head and I think another another summer and another season I think again it's proof that not necessarily that the way that the Hornets are doing it is the right way but that that whole idea of rolling the dice and losing for three or four seasons to get a transcendent player. A, you're not guaranteed that player, but B, when that player gets there, what talent does he have around him? You know, what, what, and not just to win as soon as you get him, but for the future, for his development. So I, it's, I, I think he's right though. You do have to take it case by case because that approach at this point in time in Charlotte would not have worked the, no. the 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 interest and the need for to see at least a, a a good product i mean it's a fun product right now they're 500 but it's a good product to watch it's enjoyable being in the east certainly helps but hey the sixers are in the east too i mean it that's the other thing if you're a sixers fan it's like you don't have to do that much <laughs> you don't have to do that much to get no. in the conversation but that, again i don't think that hinky wants to be in the conversation right, right well they have all these assets i mean you know that's when you talk that's when you talk about you know how how valuable are the assets if you know you keep swapping them no one wants well, them what i've and, always argued too though is that eventually i think you start to poison the well and, and a, a losing culture starts to, to develop. And even when you have a guy like Brett Brown, who, you know, Greg Popovich, he's from history, and Popovich right. has nothing but great things to say about Brett Brown. Even when you have a guy of that caliber 
I think it's impossible to lose that much and not have that stink yeah, and in the what, air. You know what's interesting with the Sixers? Like, So the Wolves have Wiggins. Could be an electric star. Is an electric player. They have Towns. Dynamic scorer on offense, player on defense. They've got Noel, a defensive guy, electric guy on defense. They've got Okafor, who's a skilled big man. But as we've seen with Al Jefferson, they're not like highlights. You know what I mean? So, I mean, there's very little for the fan base to tune in on a night by night basis saying, let's see what this, this, let's see what player X, let's see what Nick Scousis does tonight. Mm -hmm. And he can, you know, he can shoot, but like they, they haven't, they've obviously, they haven't found that transcendent player. Uh, Maybe it's Embiid, maybe it's Darich, but I mean, Okafor. Yeah. I mean, I like Okafor, but, um, you know, just being a rookie, it's going to be hard for him to shoulder the load and and say, Hey, come out and see, Okafor go to work on the on the box. I mean, I like him, like I said, but they're they're just hitting a lot of stumbling blocks along the way. Well, hopefully the Hornets end up being a stumbling block on Friday, seven o'clock p.m. That tip time in Charlotte. The Hornets also play the Nets, who are one and nine. They're struggling as well. Uh, got a very good coach in Lionel Hollins, and they have talent on this starting roster: Brooke Lopez, Thaddeus Young. Uh, Joe Johnson, although That's Johnson is really well, but he's <laughs> struggling. Honest. I think he said, "What? Well, uh, let's see. I have it. Nineteen percent from three. Those are yeah, not those so are much Lance Joe Stevenson numbers. But but aren't you more worried about the Nets than the Sixers at this point? Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. here's the thing about the Nets that people have to understand: so they're one and nine, but in their past couple of games, they've really they should competed. be the Warriors. They they took it. Yeah, they they had that Warriors game in hand, and they didn't foul in a late game situation that really ruined them. Uh, but they have struggled to score. Jarrett Jack is getting healthy. He's playing better. He had 21-12 and 12 against Sacramento and then 28-9 and 9 against Golden State. They'll both be on, on a back-to-back. And that's the thing about the Nets. Like the Hornets, they've had a really tough early schedule. They've had seven games on the road, three sets of back-to-back. So all I'm saying is can't fall asleep on the Nets, and you really can't fall asleep on the Sixers because you don't want to be – that sports center team. We have uh, um, the the Hive Talk hotline is lighting up. We have our next guest and, and a, a regular now on this show, Nick Denning here for Nick's Picks. Nick, how are you? I'm doing all right, guys. How are you doing? Welcome back, sir. Uh, let's get into these picks pretty quickly because we've we've soaked up so much time, uh, basically complimenting Nick Batum. So I want to get into these picks pretty quick. Uh, just deservedly to re- so. Well, just absolutely deservedly so. So let's get into uh, the recap. Uh, David, you had the clean sweep last week, three and zero. That's right. Congratulations. That's right. Uh, Nick, you and I went two and one. Although you may want to check me. Right. I don't know. You tried to check me last last week. <laughs> what did you guys miss on? I missed on Wizards Thunder. I took the Wizards. Mm. Nick, I'm yeah, not. Uh, I can't remember what I missed. Yeah. But I'm I'm certain he I'll, did. I know I, I missed one though. I, I believe you this week. I double checked. <laughs> I double. I triple checked. All right. Uh, we'll start with you, Nick. What are your picks for this week? What to watch for in the NBA? Um. Well, my Hornets lock, and I made this pick before I realized that we're playing Philadelphia Friday. Um, but I took tomorrow's game against the Nets. Yeah. Um, that's my that's my that's my lock. That's my lock. Um, my league pass special is uh, Houston versus Memphis. I think it's on Thursday. Um, that may just just know they're playing each other this week. I'm taking Memphis, but this game is interesting just because both of these teams are kind. Of, I mean, they're struggling, and these are both teams that were 
very, very much contenders last year in the West. So it just kind of be interesting to see, could this game maybe jumpstart one of these teams? Um, and then my national TV game is uh, Spurs versus Pelicans, and I'm going on the leap here. All right, it, this is, you know, I'm, I'm taking the Pelicans Boom. for some reason. I just, I just have a feeling about this. I don't want to, you know, I, I picked the Warriors too many weeks in a row. It's time I, I took a chance. You They're know, never losing. The <laughs> They're not going to lose. It's, it's not a bad, <laughs> no. yeah, it's never a bad <laughs> bet for sure. All right, David, who do you got? Uh, oh, one quick note there. That Houston game is uh, is Friday there, next for anyone that was looking for that okay, on Thursday. Yeah. Um, let me pull up my picks. All right, Hornets lock. I think I gave it away. Sixers Friday night. I like the Hornets to get that win. Um, national game tonight, Thunder, Pellies, the Thunder Pels, Thunder versus Pelicans for you guys. That's who's playing. I got you. Okay. I'm going to take the Thunder in that one. The Pelicans are looking brutal right now. Uh, it's not going well in New Orleans. I mean, they, they have a lot of people hurt, and it's a tough go right now. Yeah, I mean, that's an unfortunate situation in New Orleans. Again, you talk about another team that gets a transcendent talent, and a lot of it is just luck and circumstance. And so that's why I think you just go out there and you try to win. And you, because yeah. the chips are going to fall know. where they know. may either way. You still take your chances I'm, with Anthony I'm, I'm Davis, I think. borderline but. rapping right now. <laughs> um, uh, but that'll be a good one to tune in. You never know when Russell Westbrook is just going to just just crush someone on the boards or just – That's Yeah, that's never a bad watch. That's a good watch. League pass game. Kings, Heat. Speaking of never know what you're going to see, the Kings, who knows? Uh, uh, they, they could get in a fist fight on the bench. Uh, they could not come out after halftime. Uh, you know, it, it could be it could be the best of of both worlds. That's the hilarious thing to me, guys, about all of these stories th- that come out and say, "Well, they had this meeting or that meeting, and now things have been smoothed over." It's like it's not smoothed over. George Carl <laughs> is is hanging on for he knows Gosh. he gets it. He's hanging on. Yeah. He's like, "How long can I can I make this work?" But he, you know, he knows it's coming. It's a mess, man. I mean, right. is, he's going to get fired. I don't know why we're all, you know, what we all it. buy into these stories. He's but not stressing it though. They're going to lose three straight games. Uh, Demarcus Cousins is going to you know, punt a basketball and, and hit somebody in the face. I mean, you just think of the craziest things you can think of, and then it's all it's all going to be over. Cousins is such a talent. I mean, would you trade for him right now? I think you have to just because talent wins out. But I mean, he, he's not. And I like him a lot, but it's he's not exactly a good showing right now, from like so a team leader like standpoint. Hornets for Jefferson, or uh, sorry, uh, Boogie for Jefferson, straight up. Yeah, no, I wouldn't do that. I'd do it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> That's hard. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> That's tough to turn down, right? I wouldn't do it because I think, especially on this team. I mean, we've seen we've seen firsthand yeah, how one cog can ruin the whole machine. That's true. I mean, we've seen it. Of course, this would be like a top ten player in the league, so you may want to take your shot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I I got faith. I have faith in Clifford. I think Clifford could could get around to him because because you saw. I mean, you know, look, Mike Malone and Boogie were were, were working well yeah. together last year. Yeah, that's they a good point. And here's the thing. But here's the difference between so, Cousins. Here's the difference between Cousins and Lance. Cousins is going to produce, so yeah. that solves a lot of a lot of things. I maybe, no. I think he's he has. It certainly lets you stick around a little bit longer. I just I, I'm just I just like where we are. We sh- why did we start that rumor? 
Why'd you do that? Well, there's though? no rumor. No, there's Doug, no why rumor. did you do that? There's All right. no rumor here. So I'm going to take the heat in that game. <laughs> All that to say you like you like the heat. Even though they have a, a big man who they're struggling to really figure out how he works within the system in Hassan Whiteside, and he's a dominant talent, but it seems like defensively they can't really figure out yeah, what to do with him. I flirted with the Kings in that game, uh, and they still might sneak it out. But I, I mean, how do you trust? How do you trust them coming across on the road? I, I'm, I'll still go with the Heat. Yeah. I don't think it's a bad pick. All right, my national TV game. Check this one out: Phoenix over Chicago. I like Brandon Knight. Thirty points, fifteen assists. He had his first career triple double. I think he had thirteen rebounds. I mean, those are insane numbers. So I want to see if Brandon Knight can do a good job of following that up against a Chicago team that is up and down this season. Uh, I had the same league pass special as Nick, uh, but I have Houston over Memphis. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Houston, I mean, eventually, Speaking guys, of a mess. eventually they have to get these issues figured out, right? I mean, there's too much talent. And not enough of it is on the court, <laughs> you know, night in and night out, unfortunately, because of injuries. But eventually this team has to get things figured out, and eventually – uh, hopefully, for my fantasy team's sake, James Harden will get some things figured out. Sheesh. I mean, the bad thing about that, they're in the West. I mean, how much time they can't, you can't really afford to mess around. No, yeah, exactly. There's, there, although the East is more competitive, you, you could make that same argument this year for the, the middle of the East. And finally, my Hornets lock. I'm going Hornets over Brooklyn. I knew about the Sixers game, but I'm still <laughs> taking Hornets over Brooklyn. Not because I think they'll lose the Sixers game, but just because I think the Hornets will will want to go out and uh, put some schadenfreude on the fans and give Brooklyn one more step closer to <laughs> giving Boston you know, the, another uh, number one overall. So those are, those are our picks. Uh, David, because of that clean sweep last week, you are one game ahead in the overall results. Um, Nick, hang, hang with us on the line because I want to talk about some things going on around this Knicks game that tips off tonight. It uh, looks like Jeremy Lamb told Steve Clifford he believes he'll be well enough to play. They'll monitor his shoulder to make sure it's okay. This coming from uh, Rick Bunnell of the Charlotte Observer. And, yeah, it's official. Jeremy Lamb will play. And also uh, Rick tweeting, look for Marvin Williams to be in the game almost whenever Carmelo Anthony is. Clifford hopes not to make Batum guard uh, Carmelo until the fourth quarter. And one more tweet before we talk about this. With Zeller starting, Clifford said Frank Kaminsky would get more minutes. Kaminsky didn't play at all, of course, against uh, the Portland Trailblazers. So let, let's talk about Marvin against Carmelo. Uh, Nick, does that matchup concern you? It's gonna, it concerns me a little bit. Um, but Marvin does play very aggressively on D, um, and he knows how to, he, he can. He knows he knows Carmelo's going to try and body him up, but he I think he did a. He did a solid job the other night. Um, I mean, it's you, you know, it's it's kind of the whole thing with Melo is just trying to keep him out of a rhythm, and I think I think Marvin did that fairly well at times. Um, although I think I like I like Clifford's decision to wait for uh, to wait you know to get Batum or save Batum to, uh, until the fourth quarter because I felt that you know Batum was fresh in that fourth quarter. I felt he really did a good job. Um, so yeah, just just if you can just keep him out of a rhythm, then I think I think he'll be okay. I think it helps to have a veteran on Carmelo too. I mean, you know, yeah. it, we we talked about it. It's not 
you're going to have a tough time with Carmelo anyway. Once he gets going, there's not many people that can do anything anyway. Uh, so to have Marvin on there, they can, you know, lean on him a little bit and, 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 you know, can, um, you know, maybe knows a few of his moves a little better than the younger guys, but yeah, I mean, plus geez, I mean, Marvin, this, <laughs> he hasn't done anything wrong so far this year. So might as well throw him out there on Melo. Yeah. I think the one criticism yeah. on Nick Batum's defense is that sometimes he relies a little too much on his physical gifts, those long arms to recover, and he doesn't really stay on top of guys. And so if you're talking about a guy like Carmelo Anthony, you want to stay on top of this guy from moment one, and Marvin is a bulldog out there on defense. He will keep up that intensity for three quarters and allow Batum to to really go after him in the fourth quarter. You know, Hopefully you, you want Carmelo a little bit more worn down by that time. But yeah, I mean, you you do your best to slow Carmelo down, and in, in the first half, same strategy as as the game in Charlotte, you try to slow that guy down, and then and then take what he gives you in the second half. So I think that'll be interesting, and it'll be interesting to see Frank Kaminsky get some more serious minutes. And, and I think he played. I think he played the entire second quarter, if I'm not mistaken, against uh, New York in Charlotte. Played a little bit with the starting rotation there in the second quarter. So he's at least familiar with this opponent. So that's a plus. But we'll see how he handles a little bit of a heavier load against the New York Knicks. Yeah, it'll be good to see him out there. I mean, we, we've talked about it. It's, it's it's just so weird that that one game was the first time he he hadn't played all year, and it was they scored seventy points in the first in the first half and are up by thirty most of the game. So and maybe whatever. that was an argument. That's, they they were in a groove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to mention it anymore. Are you sure? You seem upset. I'll reserve the right to mention it one more time. Uh, Nick, we, we always get a, a fact about you. We're learning a little bit about you every day. I swear I'm, I'm writing them all down. I'm going to compile a book, an ebook, by the end of this season. Uh, Nick, what's your Nick fact for this evening? Well, well, you know, I'm actually, because you know, I, I, I kind of didn't really get a chance. You know, to, my writers didn't get a chance to come up with a good one. So I'm going to throw it on you. you. You ask me something. I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, let's see where, um, what kind of writing did you do in college? Oh, a lot of academic writing. Well, I, I actually, my, uh, my journalism expertise are more recent. Um, yeah, I, I uh, studied English. So, and, uh, did a lot of, uh, a lot of long term papers on different various lit- literature subjects. Okay. If you were to, uh, describe the Hornets, Roster their season so far as a, a a Shakespearean play. Which one would it be and why? Oh man! Yeah, really. Um, hey, listen, he didn't come prepared, I so I get to I get to throw. <laughs> I know that's true. That's true. Um, I mean, hopefully one of the the happier ending ones, but there aren't many. I mean, he's you know I'm, I'm more I'm more uh, more familiar with his with his uh, tragedies, and I don't want it to end like Macbeth. I would not be a good you know, season for the, uh, all right. You know, if that, if that makes any, I don't even know how that would make sense, but <laughs> I like it. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, something, something where, you know, uh, the, the main character doesn't, uh, things don't end in flames or, you know, his eyes aren't gouged out or something like that. You I know? think you're talking about Kimba Walker. <laughs> you're really hoping that, uh, he doesn't, or, or Al Jefferson too. You're hoping that these guys don't flame out. And I think, you know, we've seen Kimba, as you said at the beginning of the show, we've seen Kimba Walker and Al Jefferson struggle and against the Knicks, uh, earlier, uh, several days ago, the starting lineup really suffered. 
and it was the bench that Clifford rode into the fourth quarter. So, I mean, you really got to see these starters step up against the Knicks because Carmelo is famous for watching tape, for making adjustments, and, and I don't think that he'll necessarily want to get off to that same slow start. So the starters have to play a lot better, and I really put that on Kimball Walker. I expect Kimba to have a big game. I think he he loves uh, he to play. He loves yeah. to play at MSG. I do too. He's yeah. been he's been struggling uh, to score. He's done a lot of other good things, but scoring has not been one of them. I expect them to really key in the Knicks to really key in on Nicholas Batum, try to stop what he's been doing for the past couple of games, and that's going to open up Kimball Walker. I like it, Doug. You've been you've been on time with your predictions too. Let me one, and and listen. I'm not normally. This is a very weird year. I'm feeling very <laughs> strange because I, I've gotten a couple of things right, and I don't know what to do with myself. Well, we haven't mentioned the Porzingis zinger uh, from last week, but you know, just real quickly on that guy is huge. He's massive. He's massive, yeah. <laughs> and he moves like. I mean, it really does remind you of like. Uh, he ta- he makes Zeller look small. Oh my god, he's huge. That was shocking to me. Man, he's 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 skilled. So I think they're gonna like him in New York. I, I like from what I saw from him. He scored eight points in that first quarter against Charlotte and Charlotte, and he really got into a rhythm. So I think it's it's key again for the starters to come out prepared and and not let those kind of things happen because. It's easy to think like, oh, the the Hornets won a close one and Porzingis missed that shot. I'm sure they played well the whole game, but the Knicks had that game kind of under control until the end of the first half, and then they got the game back under control, and then the Hornets made a run in the fourth thanks to Jeremy Lamb and Jeremy Lin. There have been some good Hornets-Knicks games over the last season and a half. Starters have to play well. All right, Nick, we'll give you the final word. What do you think about this game, Knicks-Hornets? What's your prediction? I I feel pretty good. I think because just because the Hornets are playing very well last couple of games, particularly Batum. Um, but it's tough just because it is on the road, um, and the Knicks. You know, I, I think the Knicks could feed off of, of a couple of their players getting hot. You know, um, I think. I mean, you know, honestly, we probably would have lost that game last time in Charlotte if, if we hadn't gotten hot there in late late in the fourth quarter. Because I mean, I just felt like the Knicks really controlled large portions of that game. Um, but no, I think I think like, I'm I'm agreeing with you, Doug. If the if the starters play well, particularly Kemba Walker, um, I think I think this could be a good night for the for the winners. Nick, always good to talk to you. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right, last uh, we've got about what two minutes left. Time for one last thing. We'll talk about this Greensboro D League news. So oh the Horn- yeah, the Hornets. Oh, yeah. Are- the Hornets are getting. I I know. I'm not going to cut this. This is not getting floated, folks. <laughs> so. Um, the Hornets are getting a new D League team. It's going to be in Greensboro, we and that's all... the that's the important thing, Doug. They're, right. they're getting a, they're getting a D League team, and and it's going to be good for the franchise. Yep. Now let's talk about the superfluous stuff. All right. The uh, this was uncovered by the My Clippers uh, Twitter account. It's a very odd Twitter account to stumble upon this news, but they brought it to at the Hive's attention, and uh, you know we did the research and we confirmed it and. The Hornets have narrowed down their choices of names to three for this D-League team. The Greensboro Attack, the Greensboro Swarm, or the Greensboro Buzz. And we've polled people on At The Hive. We've been paying attention to the comments. We've gotten a few uh, tweets. I'll read those really quick. Uh, It looks like we have one for Buzz here from D-Rob. And uh, R. Lee saying, uh, since there is a B in Greensboro Buzz, 
that sounds better. Uh, I'm I'm actually in agreement with him. I had yeah. that thought as well. I like, you know, and we're in radio, so this makes sense. We like how things sound. So Greensboro Buzz, to me, Buzz. rolls off the tongue a little better than Greensboro, Greensboro Swarm. Swarm. What, what say Buzz. you? Greensboro Buzz. It, it, it's a, it is a little better rhythm to it. I'm curious. They're all named. Why no? Why are the why are the names that are you know Buzz Swarm Attack? Why no? What do you want? Like Hornets. Greensboro <laughs> Defend? Greensboro? No, something that's you know Greensboro Lounge. The Greensboro Green Hornets is one I thought of. We could really tie in. The old uh, baseball team. Yeah. Yeah. You know. No, I, I think that was a valid point. And, and I think as the D-League matures, uh, it, it will be important to at least have the names associated with the team. So if it's not going to be Hornets, then I think it should probably be Buzz Some or Swarm. Attack? Where does Attack come in? I mean, I, it's a unique. You have to have one in there that's a little bit of an attack. alternative. Greensboro Attack does not roll. Or, or maybe it's one of those situations where you you really want Buzz you or want, Swarm, yeah, but... and you throw that one in there to be like, well, we know we're not going with Attack. So Real quick, do you think the Greensboro Bobcats – okay, first of all, would it be funny? Yes. No. Yes, it would be funny. It's not even funny yes. to me. I'm not even. I'm not laughing. You're not laughing. Why not? Because it's not. It's it's just so. I mean, it's not going to happen. They want to get away from that. But don't you think that would be kind of just like a nod and wink? No, not I just, in I'm not. Way. No I am way. not. I am zero percent. I could not be more adamant that that is such. I will say idiotic idea. <laughs> it's not even. It's not even silly. It's not. You know, I don't know what other nice words you could say. I think it would be idiotic to do that. Like that, that era is it's O-V-E-R done, it's over. But over. The, the one thing I'll say, it's kind of nice to to have a little bit of recognition for that era. That's all I'm saying. We we remember. I know. I have T-shirts and, and hats they to could prove take the that uniforms. it existed. They don't need new uniforms. No. They could take new uniforms. They had new uniforms every year. They, they could have the best uniforms in the D-League. <laughs> Each player could wear a separate Bobcats uniform. Now, that would be funny. So you're going with Buzz, and that's got to be what it is, the Greensboro Buzz. It's I, pa- I mean, it's, you know. It's you know what? Here's, here's what I thought, though. I'm glad that they didn't suggest naming it the Greensboro Hive because then it would have made our show title much – <laughs> or have a, a, a really different flavor. We would have had to go in-depth on the D-League team. Yeah, at least we would have had to have a segment. Every, yeah, we would have been required. All right, so Greensboro Buzz, it's decided. Well, Swarm won on At the Hive. So, oh, okay. Yeah, Swarm won on At the Hive. Uh, but keep letting us know what you think, and we'll read some more tweets on the next show. Uh, tune in. We're back on Saturday. We'll recap uh, the week that was and get you ready uh, for the game on Monday. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks to our guests. Nick Denning and Michael Kasky blow Maine. See you next time, folks. Less Swarm Charlotte.